Well, the Big D is back with a best ball theme edition the night. Before I bring in the night's guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. Figured after a few uh, wayward tee shots today, we get back to football. Also, check out the Big D podcast for the audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So, uh, join in for us, the... Uh, what are you, the owner and founder of Going for Two, uh, Jeff Lambert. So, uh, Jeff, uh, it's best ball season, so you know what that means. Sir, time to draft. Yeah, how many drafts have you done? Uh, probably only five or six at this point. Last year at this time, I had done a lot more, um, but uh, just been busy at work. But I uh, actually am about to get into one as we speak so i don't know if it'll start while we're uh, on on air or not but uh yeah i'm joining my seventh one right now oh uh, so uh obviously a lot of everybody's playing in a fantasy football league but in the past two three four years best ball has become very very popular with sites like DraftKings, fan doing underdog often best ball leagues we can draft teams and uh win big prizes so uh jeff uh what is best ball? So best ball is basically like a redraft league. Um, but the only part of the league that you actually do is the actual draft. Uh, during the season, the, you know, the weeks play out like either league does, except you don't set a lineups. There's no waiver wires to do. There's no trades. Uh, your team is your team. Uh, once the week is over, they um, will automatically put in your best team. Thus, the reason they call it best of all. Um, so really, it's all about the draft. It's 100% about the draft and how you draft. You can't make any changes the rest of the season. Really, you can draft your team and then not look at it again until week 17 and see where you're at um, and, and be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, so um, it's based so you give one team – one team – but you end, but you don't have to make trades. You don't have to make any waiver moves. It's you basically draft that team, and that's what you have for throughout the whole year. So if you guys get hurt, tough luck, right? Yeah, people always say like, you know, what's the fun in that? You don't get to, you don't get to manage your team. And then I always ask them, how many mock drafts have you done so far this season? And they're like, oh, I've done like 15, 20 mock drafts, and they're a lot of fun. Well, this is basically a mock draft. It's a mock draft that you could possibly win money from. Uh, so, you know, if you're doing mock drafts, you're already doing best ball. You might as well just go ahead and see how, how well you draft, uh, at the end of the season, because mock drafts, unfortunately, you can't tell what you, how well you did, uh, but in best ball you can. So if you're, if you're already mock drafting, just join best ball. Cause it's, it's just as fun. What's the, what's the difference between best ball and a regular fantasy and regular redraft or dynasty league? Because to me, I mean, we've all done redraft dynasty, but uh, best ball seems, but best ball seems like it would be easier because you you don't have to worry about trades, you don't have to worry about picks for twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five. You just have to pick a team. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some differences between how you would draft a best ball team. I know you know us in the industry like to use best ball r- rankings ADP for for redraft. Um, and for the most part, it correlates to redraft, but there are some players that will get inflated value. Uh, a lot of like boomer bust type guys, because in best ball, you know, you get those, you get those boom weeks. They're going to be in your lineup in redraft. We always say, you know, good luck, figure out which week to play so-and-so 
because he might have two, two, two or three weeks that are really big during the season, but good luck putting him in your lineup the right weeks. Whereas in best ball, you get the advantage of that already. You know, you, those boom bust weeks, you're going to get those boom bust weeks and get those points. Uh, so because of that, their ADP gets a little bit inflated in, in best ball leagues, but not, not too terrible. Um, and the, the biggest difference really is the fact that there is no waivers. There is no, you know, trading, no nothing. You basically, you do your draft and then you wipe your hands of it and then hope it comes out good on the other side. You know, the one, the one problem that I've, that I found out with one of my teams last year was I ended up drafting, I believe it was Matthew Stafford and Jamin Hurts, both with, who both had a week seven bye week. And I was thinking, and then I was thinking like, two-thirds of the way through my draft, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to say what I thought. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing you got to pay attention to for sure because you, obviously you can't add a quarterback once you have that set up. So if you don't have a quarterback that week that can start, um, you're pretty much going to have a zero from that spot. Um, same thing with injuries too. I think uh, one of my leagues last year, I had uh, I had Kyler Murray and I backed him up with, uh, with Ryan Tannehill and uh, somebody else that also got hurt. But, uh, you know, both those guys got hurt at the end of the season, and I didn't have a quarterback in that league. So I was pretty much, well, this this league is over with. I can't win this league with no quarterback. You know, a couple interesting traits about best about successful baseball teams. One is stacking. So uh, can you explain? I mean, we've seen in DFS where you, you – Wide receivers, you stack a wide a quarterback with a wide receiver, a pass catching tight end. Does that go the same in best ball? Yeah, absolutely. It goes the same in best ball. You you want to get stacks of of teams that you expect to be high scoring. Um, because when the quarterback is throwing touchdowns and you have his number one receiver, there's a good chance that those touchdowns are going to your guys. So you're getting double points. Uh, and then another strategy in best ball too, in addition to just regular stacking, it's to look at the week 17 and the week 16 at the end of the season, because if you get that far, you want to have a, a nice stack at the end of the season. I think last year's winner of the best ball mania, uh, he had the uh, Tom Brady, Mike Evans stack. I think they had like two or three touchdowns together uh, and he won it because of that stack. Um, so you can look at the the you know the end of the season and figure out okay what game is supposed to be high scoring what game can I can I get some players from to make sure that if I make it this far that I'll actually have a, a piece of this potentially high scoring game. Wait a minute, you think? Wait a minute, you already drafted Cincinnati Kansas City that week seventeen game. Cincinnati Kansas City is the one I'm looking at. Yep, that is going to be a high scoring game. We we assume. Uh, obviously, you know, it, it kind of works out well because the Kansas City side of things, uh, other than Travis Kelsey, you can get some some late round value uh, of the receivers. You know, you don't really know which one of those guys are going to pop off. So if you were to get like Jamar Chase in the first round uh, and then you get, you know, Joe Burrow in a little bit later rounds, then you can just get a couple of those Casey receivers at the end of the end of the draft, you know, basically for free. Uh, and hope that one of them pops off, you know, hope that one of them has, a, you know, that the, whether it be Kadarius Tony or, or Sky Moore um, or, you know, any one of those guys that, that could potentially pop off at the end of the season. So you can get those for pretty cheap. So you can build a pretty good stack there with those guys. Uh, besides uh, the obvious Cincinnati, Kansas City, what are some other week 17 stacks? Because there's one I'm there's one I'm very intrigued about. Uh, do you remember that crazy, I think it was 87-point game between Miami and Baltimore last year? And guess yeah. who meets Week 17? Yes, I saw that one. That one is uh that one is on there for sure. It's uh 
that that's the week that Tua went bonkers in the fourth quarter and just was throwing touchdowns all over the place. Yeah, I do remember that one. And plus, I think Baltimore's offense is going to be better this year. I think Lamar is going to throw the ball. Plus, he's got Bateman, Odell, St. Flowers, and don't forget Mark Andrews. Yep, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to pull up week 17 here real quick because there was a couple other games that I was looking at. Obviously, that Kansas City-Cincinnati game stood out to me. I think um, we, I think Green Bay and uh, Minnesota play week, week 17 in the Dome, which we like. Yeah, that's that's a good one to have too. That one is is nice because you can get Justin Jefferson, and then Kirk Cousins is getting disrespected. So you can get him, uh, you know, later on in your drafts. You know, stack up on your running backs and receivers there in the middle, and then get Kirk Cousins a little bit later. So you can have a nice little stack there. Um, I also kind of like that the uh, Detroit Dallas game. It's a Saturday game, uh, but you know, Detroit expected to be a good offense this year. Um, Dallas has pretty much always been a good offense as long as Dak's been healthy. Um, so that could be another game that you're looking at a Saturday night primetime game where, you know, maybe Jared Goff uh, goes off to hit Jamison Williams and a couple touchdowns, or maybe it's Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, obviously you got CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks on the other side. So it's a, it's a game that could definitely shoot out for sure. I mean, uh, would it be crazy if you're going to, if you're going to sack Detroit Dallas, I mean, would CeeDee Lamb a late one, early two, and then maybe go Amon Ross? Yeah, you could definitely do both of them for sure. You could definitely do that. Um, I, personally, when I build my best ball leagues, I like to have, um, you know, a lot more receivers than I do uh, running backs. I know running backs tend to get hurt, um, but if you can get a good good running back that's going to last the whole season, having those receivers, when those receivers have those boom games, they're typically more than the running backs. You know, they have those, you know, 160-plus yard games, you know, a couple touchdowns, and then, the you know, the PPR side of things. Um, with with underdog I think it's half point PPR but still you get those points for receptions uh, that adds up pretty quickly there and having a couple receivers on your bench there that can potentially go you know go off on a certain week is uh, is a nice advantage to have well you mentioned how you are such a wide receiver lover but uh, one strategy that uh, has become prevalent not just in redraft but in best ball is the zero running back strategy. So can you explain what the zero running back strategy is? So uh, the name kind of suggests that you're not going to draft a running back. And that's absolutely crazy. You would, you're definitely drafting running backs, but what you're doing is you're going to stack up all your receivers, uh, you know, all your, all your skill players early in the draft. You're just going to keep waiting on running backs. And then the idea of it is you're at the end of your drafts, you're just going to draft a crap ton of cheap running backs uh, because we know in the NFL running backs get hurt guys will, you know, that would, we weren't thinking we're going to be great to begin the season, all of a sudden get this great opportunity and start putting up mega points. So your, your hope is that in the zero RB that you, if you get a bunch of running backs that you're going to hit on one or two of those guys uh, you know, one of those guys last year was Jarek McKinnon. Um, I actually won my home league, uh, a redraft, I mean, a dynasty league with Jarek McKinnon. I traded for him midseason for a third round pick. And then all of a sudden he goes bonkers towards the end of the season there. And I ended up winning my, my home league. Uh, but a guy like that was probably free in your, in your drafts. If you had gotten a Jarek McKinnon, you know, late in your draft as one of your late round flyers. And then all of a sudden he starts popping off at the end of the season. Uh, then you're you're in good shape, especially if you stacked you know a couple of receivers early in the draft. Now you got good receivers. You got a running back that's going to go off at the end of the season, uh, and you'll be in good shape after that. 
Yeah, I know Ramondre Stevenson was a good zero running back last year because everybody thought Damian Harris was going to be the lead tailback in New England, but Stevenson ended up being the number one guy with yep. the Harris is going down with some injuries. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a, it happens every year, right? I mean, you know, Brees Hall also went down in 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 Zonovic McKnight or whatever his name was, Bam Knight. Uh, he came in and had a couple good games there. But if you had Brees Hall, you took him pretty high in your draft. Once he went down, once he went down, you're pretty much SOL at that point. But had you done zero RB and stacked some of those guys that you know, even like a Jeff Wilson, you know, when he got traded to Miami, uh, he had a couple games there where he really popped off in Miami. Um, you know, things like that just kind of happen every single year where you get a guy that just steps in for an injured player. You know, uh, Madison for the Vikings been doing it. He made a career out of it, really. Whenever Dalvin Cook is, goes out, Madison comes in and gives you Dalvin Cook type numbers uh, and you can get him for, you know, five, six, seven rounds later than you can Dalvin Cook. So a guy like that's a good one to have in zero RB. How many how many leagues did Jamal Williams win last year? Because, oh. because he scored like 58 touchdowns from the two yard line. Yeah, he was a, he was a, my, my co-host on my show on Wednesday nights, the Armchair Fantasy Show. Uh, he was talking about him all offseason last week or last year about, you know, how how free he was. I mean, he was basically free. He was so cheap uh, and you knew he was going to get some of the volume because they have Swift, who, who's not. We, we've seen that, you know, they, they don't want to give him the ball too much. Obviously, he got hurt as well. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Williams just went bonkers last year. I think he had 18 total touchdowns, and a lot of them were from the one or two yard line. But hey, it's still fantasy points. Yeah, fantasy points are still fantasy points, whether it's from the one or the whether from the other team's one or your one long your one like Gabriel Davis against the Steelers. Yep, absolutely. So um, zero running backs become commonplace in fantasy football, but I haven't heard, I don't think I've heard this term until a day or two ago. Zero wide receiver. What is zero wide? It's so zero wide receiver. It's got two names. I actually like the other, the other way of saying it is instead of saying zero receiver, you say hero RB, um, which basically means you're going to stack running backs. You're just going to get, you know, top running backs. You're just going to fade the receivers. Again, the idea is that you can hope that you hit on a couple of those, you know, breakout guys that no one's talking about. Personally, I think it's a little more difficult to hit on those unknown receivers than it is unknown running backs because, you know, with running backs, injuries are very prevalent, whereas receivers, it doesn't happen quite as often. You know, they still get hurt, but not quite as often as running backs. And then even when they do, you know, have those guys step in, you know, it's easier for a running back to be a first year or second year guy and step in and, and still play really well because the position isn't very complicated. It's, you know, you have your gaps, you have your, your schemes to block it, and that's it. Whereas receivers have, you know, chemistry to build with their quarterback. They got to learn the route tree. They got to learn all the hand signals. They got to be able to read the defense. They got to be able to do all these things that running backs don't have to do. Um, so because of that, you know, it, there's not as many breakout guys at receiver that step in for an injured guy and actually have a really good season. It happens, obviously, uh, but it's not quite as prevalent as it is with the running back. So I prefer to go zero RB if I'm going to do it at all. Uh, but hero RB is something that I've heard people using that 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 uh, phrase and that strategy a lot uh, in, in recent years. Maybe especially with some of these great people, all guys like a Brees Hall, uh, who was the guy with Denver, Javante Williams? Yeah, yep. Yeah, both those guys, you know, 
going down really hurt. I mean, in that dynasty league I was talking about that I actually won, I actually have Javante Williams and Brees Hall, and I had Kyler Murray. And through some great waiver ads and some trades, I got I picked up Jarek McKinnon, which you know obviously helped me out. Uh, I ended up making a trade for AJ Dillon, which he ended up you know working out towards the end of the season. And I had Sam Darnold as my quarterback, and I won a championship with those three guys because I had nobody else to play. But sometimes it just happens that way. And let me tell you this: in in my uh, big money lead, in one of my big money leads last year, I have drafted Justin Jefferson number four pick, and then I traded him for Christian McCaffrey because Javante Williams was ACL, and I knew, and uh, it was to my best friend, and uh, I knew his team was not going to make the playoffs, and I'm like, Justin Jefferson's not beating me in the playoffs. I need a running back. Yeah. Absolutely. And he he had a bad last game, too, because um, actually in that dynasty league, it was kind of funny. I actually had, you know, I lost Brees Hall. I lost Javante Williams. I lost Debo Samuel for a good portion of the season in the middle. Uh, obviously, I lost Kyler Murray. My backup quarterback was Ryan Tannehill. He also got hurt and went out. So at one point in the season, I'm like, OK, I'm going into a rebuild mode. I'm just going to I traded away Christian McCaffrey. I'm like, I've had him since his rookie season. I drafted him as a rookie. Uh, I said, as soon as his value goes back to normal, I was going to trade him away. So I traded him away. Uh, I got him uh, Jalen Waddle straight up for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and then I just needed a running back to start. And I reached out to a guy. I said, hey, I just need a running back to put in my lineup every week just to have somebody. I'll send you a third round pick for Jarek McKinnon. So he sent me Jarek McKinnon. Obviously, he goes off at the end of the season. And the ironic thing is, is the guy that I traded Christian McCaffrey to is the guy that I met in the championship game. And I ended up beating the championship game with with a bunch of scrubs, Sam Darnold and Jarek McKinnon and a couple other guys that, you know, I had to fill in for injuries, not to beat him because of it. <laughs> I, I, won, I won one of my championships with like one of the most Roth, well, not the uh, sexiest looking roster ever. Uh, I think that was the week where the, Antonio Gibson was in COVID jail, and I drafted and I used Jared Patterson as one of my running backs. It was because I drafted, I, I got the one on one in that league. So, you know, I took McCaffrey, and that didn't go well. Right, right. Yep. That's the price of going running backs. One of them gets hurt, you're pretty much SOL at that point. I mean, I drafted McCaffrey one or two in one league, and then Jefferson one or four. So, I mean, Sometimes, sometimes you feel like a nun, and sometimes you, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, obviously, their basketball contests are getting bigger and bigger. Uh, DK's contest is ten million, ten bucks an entry, one hundred and fifty. I think Underdog's basketball contest is uh, fifteen million, and uh, how much is that? Twenty five bucks a pop. Yeah, and three million to first place. Oh boy! Yeah, that's a big one. So, um, I mean, what are what are the kind of contests you're talking? So, I have pretty much gone exclusively to underdog. Um, I did start with with uh, DraftKings because I didn't really know underdog that well when they first started out. Um, but now I pretty much use underdog exclusively. I think their interface is better. I like their contests better. Um, I like a lot of their features better in, in the DraftKings app with best ball. It becomes almost too crowded with the, with DFS being mixed in there as well. So personally, I don't play much on the other uh, applications. I use mostly underdog nowadays. Uh, but uh, you, if you a hundred, if you 150 max at 20, the uh, 15 mil 
that's the thirty seven hundred fifty bucks. I mean, not many of them. Yeah, not many of us have got. Yeah. <laughs> Not even put that kind of bankroll. That's for sure. I I, I don't play the one fifty lineups. I I don't I, I you know I play a lot of best ball leagues, but uh, I don't play quite that much money in the off season. How much do you? I mean, what kind of contests are you targeting? I play a lot of private leagues. Uh, like I mentioned, the one that's getting ready to start here in a minute. Uh, it's a it's a twelve man private league. That's so, you know I get some guys from Twitter or some guys from my Facebook groups or some guys from my website that just you know we all kind of just play. I got ones with friends. Um, I do join some random ones whenever I get bored. Um, you know, sitting in bed, can't sleep. Well, let me just go do, do a best ball draft real quick and jump in one and, and do it. Um, and I play a lot of the puppies. And, you know, they have the, the best ball mania is the big one. But then they have the puppies and they have different payouts that are smaller entry fees, sometimes $5, $3. Um, so I'll play a bunch of those. Last year, I played the one I actually did the best in. Um, and I, I didn't see it this year. They had it up briefly and I, I didn't get into it, but it was the um, rookies and sophomores. It was basically, you know, all the rookies that hadn't been drafted yet. So you're basically just drafting on on talent. You have no idea where they're landing at and all the rookies from the year previous. And everybody had rookie fever and dynasty. So all these rookies were going super high that had no landing spot. We had no idea where they were going, but I played it smart and I pretty much drafted exclusively the second year players uh, and stacked all my teams in there. And one of them, I went all the way to the semifinals um, before I finally knocked out. Uh, so that one really ended up, it, that that one contest paid all my entry fees from all my other contests because I, it, it did so well. Uh, yeah, I will say this. Last year I played, so, I mean, what would be a good success rate for making the playoffs? Because I I think I made, I played 25 best ball teams, and I think like four, four of them made, made on DK, so four out of 25, 16%. I mean, what would be a good success rate for? Probably 20, I'd say 25% is probably your, your, what you're aiming for. It's it's hard to hit that, but uh, yeah, if you can get to the, the 25% range, uh, with your best ball so if you're playing 100 if you can get to it in 25 of them you know then then you're good I was, four, I was four out of 25 and that was my first year playing best yeah. ball I mean that's not bad 60 percent is not bad you know especially if one of those four teams can go far you know uh in in the tournament and then end up paying for your stuff but yeah you typically if you can get uh between 20 and 25 percent of your lineups to hit the to get into the playoffs at least it's, it's a good thing all right, Jeff. So uh, now we get to the fun part of the show, uh, ranking. So um, starting at quarterback, uh, who trying to think who would be the top best ball quarterback? I'm guessing Jalen Hurts, right? Especially with his rushing upside. Yeah, I've got Hurts number one with the rushing upside. Uh, I mean, it's, you can't go wrong with any of those top guys. There's a couple of them. You know, Joe Burrow, we mentioned Patrick Mahomes, obviously, Josh Allen. Uh, but I think if, if, you know, gun to my head, I had to pick one of them, I'm taking Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's got the, you know, great weapons. He's got probably the best offensive line. You know, the Eagles use him, you know, as a rushing, uh, you know, goal line sort of running back. He gets those one yard touchdowns like, you know, you wouldn't believe. So because of that reason, I think he's the, the number one quarterback to have in best ball right now. Uh, the only thing I am scared about with him, though, is because he's a running quarterback is the, the fear of injury. Um, whereas, you know, a guy like Mahomes, you don't quite fear that as much because he's not running quite as often. Uh, but the upside is definitely there for Jalen Hurts to 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 crush it. So I think he's my one my one oh one in quarterbacks. 
Uh, does Underdog have a hundred yard rushing bonus like uh, DK does? Uh, I don't believe so. I, I I was trying to actually pull up their um their scoring now because I, I I don't think there's a hundred hundred bonus. I think it's just a straight half PPR standard type league where there's um yeah there's no bonuses for that. I, I just I got it all pulled up here. Which so makes your, which makes Jalen Hurts upside even more prevalent because nobody's getting the nobody's getting the hundred yard bonus, whether it be a receiver, running back, or quarterback. Yeah, and it's four it's four points for passing touchdowns too, which also favors the running quarterbacks as well because he's getting six points for his rushing touchdowns, and a guy like Mahomes who doesn't get his near rushing touchdowns, he's only getting four points for his passing touchdowns. So. Um, uh, who's one guy you're looking? One quarterback you're looking to draft, and one guy you're not looking to. You're looking. You're looking at drafting, and one guy you're not drafting. Uh, so drafting, it's it's kind of hard because there's a lot of them that I'm going to draft. I'm going to try to have a lot of exposure to the top guys. Um, but if you're looking at just the value of the quarterback and where you, you can get them, um, I like Kirk Cousins a lot. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, stacking him with Justin Jefferson is a great way to, to, to build a, a lineup. Uh, he's going super late. He's super consistent. Uh, the Vikings last year with their new uh, their new offense passed a lot more than they have in the past. That will continue this year. Um, so I think Kirk Cousins is a guy that I'm looking for later in, in some of my rounds to have as my not, maybe not my QB one. Uh, but definitely uh, my QB two and potentially my QB one. If I, if I have a build that just kind of, uh, you know, the quarterbacks go early enough that I don't want to take them that early. I can get Kirk cousins and be perfectly fine. Now, if I'm at the point where I need to take one of the top quarterbacks, we, you know, we mentioned Jalen hurts, Josh Allen, those are those guys with the rushing upside uh, looking at those, those guys definitely. Uh, but sometimes that cost is just too much. To, I don't want to pay for it where I'm looking at like, okay, I can get this good running back or this good receiver, or I can pay for a quarterback, you know, that, you know, he would have to have like, you know, one of those top 50, 50 passing touchdown type seasons, one of those MVP type seasons to really be separated from the rest of the pack in a one quarterback type uh, scenario. Now, they, they did do super flex. That changes things, obviously. Uh, I'm in a few of those best ball super flex leagues on, on underdog. But for one quarterback leagues, the difference between the top quarterbacks and the in the, you know, the middle of the round quarterbacks is not always that much. So you can wait on quarterbacks in in a best ball league. And then who's one guy you're not maybe looking to avoid or maybe draft later if possible? Uh let's see. For quarterbacks, I'm trying to think of a guy that's that's popular that I don't like. So I'm not drafting any of the rookies. Uh, you know, Bryce Young, you know, uh, Anthony Richardson, those guys are, you know, pretty popular choices in in some of my leagues as far as dynasty goes, obviously. And they have rushing upside, but I don't see myself taking either one of them at their cost. Um, I'm trying to think of another quarterback that I'm avoiding. There's really not a ton that I'm avoiding per se, because um, I think every player has value at some point. Um, and you get down to those late rounds and you're looking at, you know, okay, my quarterback three, you know, you're looking at guys like Ritter for the Falcons, which, you know, he's super cheap. So he's someone that I would draft super late. Um, so at his cost, I don't mind Ritter. Um, so I, I, there's not one guy that I think that I'm necessarily avoiding. It's just depending on the cost that you have to pay for him. Okay, uh, running backs. Uh, who um, I think it'd be a battle between Austin Eckler and CMC for the one-on-one there, right? Especially in a PPL league. 
Yeah, I definitely think that those two guys are going to be up there for sure. Um, people are drafting Bijan as a as a as a top uh, running back as well. I don't know if I'm quite there yet with you know him being a rookie. We've seen prospects before come in and start slow, like you know JT a few years ago. He was you know the next big thing, and he started off super slow to start the season. So I don't know if I'm going to take Bijan as high as he's going. I love Bijan. If he falls to the second round, I'll take Bijan, but. I think he's going like 107 right now, and that's just too rich for my blood for a rookie, uh, especially for a rookie on the Atlanta Falcons who who was not very good last year. I mean, they did run the ball a ton, um, but you know they weren't a very good team, didn't score a lot of points. So I don't know if I want to invest my my first round pick into a guy like that. I don't really know yet. Okay, so who are you who are you looking to draft, and who you're not and. Uh... And who you're not looking to draft running back wise? Running backs. Um, so I've been getting a lot of um, Josh Jacobs. Uh, I think I don't know what the deal is. Why people are fading him so much? But I think he's going. I got his ADP pulled up here. Uh, he's going a uh, 27th overall, and the workload that he's about to get is going to be ridiculous. He had a huge workload last year. I think over 400 total touches between passing and and, and rushing. And with Jimmy G, you know, as his quarterback, the, you know, check down Charlie, as they call him, uh, I think Jacobs gets more involved in the passing game. He still gets the, you know, all the bulk of the rushing yards. That offensive line is pretty good. So I do think that Jacobs is a guy at his, at his price point that I can give you the, the RB1 type upside uh, for a guy that you're not really paying, you know, a premium price for right now. So he's got one guy that I'm definitely looking at. Uh, I'm also looking at Najee Harris. Najee Harris is so, so undervalued right now. I think he's going, I want to say his ADP is 30, oh, it's 38. So it's basically uh, top of the fourth round. That is way too low. I mean, everyone, okay, yes, he had a, he had a down season last year, but he also had a Linz, Linz Frank injury start the season. If you look at his numbers at the first half of the season compared to the second half of the season, he was a different player. I think he finally got healthy at the end of the season. He, he found his legs underneath him. I think with a full season of being healthy, uh, that offense, I think, has improved. Najee Harris as a fourth-round pick right now is this steal. He's going to get all the workload. Tomlin's always been a coach that gets one running back. There's no by committee when you come to Tomlin. He's basically got one guy that he's going to give the ball to all the time, and it's going to be Najee Harris as long as he's healthy. So Najee Harris is definitely somebody that I'm looking at. And uh, wide receiver, and uh, wide receiver. Uh, I think we both can say this. That's a clear one-on-one wide receiver, and his name's Justin Jefferson, right? Absolutely. I mean, Jeff Jefferson is just—he's an absolute monster. I think you can make the case for Jamar Chase too, uh, but Jefferson, I don't think, has as much competition for targets as Jamar Chase does. Uh, and so I do think Je- Jefferson and Kirk Cousins is the type of quarterback that just is, he's going to throw it to you regardless whether you're covered or not. He's just going to still throw it to you. So give that chance to get just Jefferson to get the ball. So he's definitely somebody that that is the one on one. There is one guy that that's super undervalued that I think I've been looking at and trying to get in a lot of my leagues. And I talked about him last night on my show as well. We, we did an overvalued, undervalued segment. And it's Deontay Johnson for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's actually being drafted below guys like Traylon Burks. Uh, Kadarius Tony, Jordan Addison, who's a rookie. Uh, he's going below his teammate, George Pickens. And he had 147 targets last year, which is a, a great number to have for a receiver. And he had zero touchdowns. There has to be some positive regression there. He has to catch touchdowns. You can't you know, be targeted that much and, and not catch touchdowns. So I think some positive regression is coming for him. 
I think the hate has gone too far on him. So at well, receiver 39, he's being drafted at 77 right now. Uh, Jonathan, someone I'm looking to draft in a lot of my leagues for sure. And uh, maybe looking to uh, not draft. I am not drafting Calvin Ridley at his cost. He is sitting right now at wide receiver 17. So basically a high-end wide receiver two. This is a guy who hasn't played in nearly two seasons. Uh, and not only that, he's going to a brand new team with a brand new quarterback and a brand new offensive system. Hasn't played in two years. Uh, you know, T, uh, Trevor Lawrence and uh, Christian Kirk had a good chemistry. You know, they have Zay Jones who had good chemistry. Travis Etienne's catching passes. I mean, I don't know where, where Calvin Ridley fits in here. Where does he get the volume to get to receiver 17? I just, there's just no way I'm spending that, that money on him. There's guys going ahead of him. I mean, sorry, guys that are going behind him, like Amari Cooper, Christian Kirk, Jerry Judy, uh, DJ Moore, all guys I would take over uh, Calvin Ridley for sure. So he's somebody I'm avoiding. And then uh, tight end. Uh, Kelsey's one-on-one, and I think has been that way for like the last six, seven, eight years. Yeah, it's it's Travis Kelsey, and then a whole, yeah. whole lot of space, and then probably Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson probably would be the number two there. Um, but yeah, it's it's Kelsey and then a bunch of other guys that are just, you know, they're 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 decent. They're just not Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is basically a receiver playing tight end. Okay, so uh, for somebody looking to play best ball, what are some do's and don'ts? All right, so uh we talked about stacking. Do stack. Uh I know it, it feels a little weird because in redraft leagues, you don't always want to stack because you don't want, you know, you have that bad week and then all of a sudden, you know, these both these guys are bad and you lose your, your matchup. In best ball, it's different. Uh, you want those peak weeks. You want those games where they're going to be going off. Obviously, be smart with it. Don't stack like Jordan Love and, and Romeo Dobbs. You know, you got to stack the teams that are going to be scoring a lot of points. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey is a good stack, and Burrow and Chase is a good stack. Kirk and uh, Christian, I mean, sorry, uh, Kirk Cousins and uh, Jefferson is a good stack. Uh, so definitely you want to stack. Uh, I would say on a don't side of things, um, for me, Personally, the way I build my lineups is some people try to have exposure to everybody. Like they want, you know, they draft, you know, whatever, 20 leagues, 30 leagues, whatever they want. Oh, I want a piece of this guy. And I want a piece of this guy. And I want a piece of this guy, which is fine, except that you're going to be limiting your, uh, your ability to, to win those leagues because you have to hit on all those guys. I like to limit my pool a little bit. I'll have a good core group of guys that I'm pretty much trying to get in all of my leagues. You know, a couple quarterbacks here, a couple receivers I'm stacking them with, have a good core. And then the fringe people, the guys that are sort of on the outside there, that's when you sort of start picking and choosing. And as long as you're good in your process and you can get that good core of people, as long as they do what you expect them to do, and then you hit on one of those fringe guys, then you start getting to the point where you're, you can start making some money. But if you're trying to spread yourself so thin and, you know, have a little bit of this guy and a little bit of this guy and all your teams and you're just trying to mix it up, it's going to be very hard for you to win money because all you, one of your teams might be good, but the rest of them are going to be terrible because you pick different players in every single league. So I, I try to have a good core of people. Send me in DFS too. I do send me in DFS. You want to have a good core, you know, do your process, figure out your, your projections, what, who you want to get, go out and get them and, and build your team around them and, and not try to spread out too thin. All right, Jeff, uh, thanks for hopping on. Uh, hopefully, uh, best ball teams bring us uh, plenty of dough this year. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's May, and, and I'm excited for the NFL season already. It's crazy.